You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? Welcome to the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. My name is Joe Mernier, and today I'm really looking forward to speaking with a self-confessed IoT evangelist. My guest today is an advocate of digital transformation in the workplace, someone who believes strongly in the power of data to help companies achieve their full digital potential, and who, in her own words, likes to shake the apple cart to get things done. My guest today is Claire Penny. Claire is the commercial director at WIRE, where she is helping companies to build new products and services around the Internet of Things through a rapid prototyping service. Previously, Claire achieved her PhD in 1998 and went on to hold numerous leadership positions at IBM, including the global industry leader for the Watson IoT for Cognitive Buildings Group. Now at WIRE, Claire gets to channel almost 20 years worth of knowledge, passion, experience and learning towards helping companies on their own IoT journey. Based in Dublin, Claire's a regular speaker on the international stage on IoT, prop tech, smart buildings, facility management and real estate stages. And as if that's not enough, she's also a non-executive director on the board of CETA, which is the Construction IT Alliance in Ireland. And today, Claire's going to chat with us about all things technology, innovation, IoT and of course, the future of work. So welcome, Claire, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you for squeezing us into your schedule. I promise not to keep you for too long. That's okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's dive straight in. So, first of all, I have to ask, you describe yourself as an IoT evangelist. And that's not a phrase I've come across before, so I'm quite intrigued. Um, can, you, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, for me, IoT uh, and, and evangelizing IoT is all around uh, almost democratizing data. So within the built environment, there's so much data out there that's sitting in silos um, that I believe uh, the Internet of Things is a way to enable people to get access to that data and to start using it to drive better insights. And then ultimately, we'll have better uh, workplaces you know, for people to work in uh, because we'll have a deeper understanding of how those buildings are performing and how people are engaging with those buildings. So, you know, the Internet of Things for me is... is it's been around for a long time. You know, many people listen to this will know, you know, the IoT has been around for many, many years. And indeed, in, in IBM, I worked on projects back in, um, you know, the uh, around 2008, 2009, by taking data from existing assets within buildings and connecting them, uh, connecting those um, the, those assets and pulling the data and running business rules on that on that data. Mm -hmm. And also, if you think about building management systems and building automation systems, they are an IoT application as well, because they've been connected to endpoint devices using data to control and automate, um, you know, equipment within a building. So I think taking that and, and, and democratizing it and making it more accessible for, for people is why I like to call myself an evangelist, to get it out <laughs> there and get it common, commonly known. Fantastic. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more about your, your new career path at, at WIRE and um, what, what, what does a day in the life of Claire Penny look like? 
<laughs> yeah, so since joining Why, I mean, I, I bring in a huge amount of learning from my 19 years in IBM, which was, you know, an absolutely fantastic experience where, you know, I learned so much and worked with so many fabulous colleagues and so many fabulous clients that taking that learning and bringing that into the startup world is quite, uh, it, it's a big leap and I'm doing my own transformation within this leap. But it's really exciting because within Wire, we're able to address some of the things that, you know, maybe the bigger companies are not able to address. So we have a team of subject matter experts who really understand the end-to-end IoT. So they understand the hardware, these endpoint devices, you know, the silicon layer. We have electronic engineers that really understand that. Then we then the team understand how you connect to those endpoint devices, because that is often the stumbling block that people um, come across that kind of last mile. You've got different languages, different protocols that devices and equipment is is. Is, is using you have to be able to connect to these endpoints translate the language and then push it into a cloud uh, environment so that you can do mm. something with that data and being in wire it enables uh, me particularly to offer people that end-to-end solution you know so we kind of stop at the cloud layer you know but we can do the hardware we can do the connectivity and we do have an, an iot cloud application as well but we can use others so that people can run their analytics and get their deeper insights so so, you know, my day is, is, is full of learning. <laughs> I'm learning yes. loads even now, but it's really exciting as well, being able to um, offer this service. Absolutely. And I should think that no two days are ever the same either. No. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get on to the Internet of Things, um, can you tell us a little bit more about CETA, the Construction IT Alliance, and your role there? Yeah, yeah. So this is a, a great honour to be on this board. Actually, I was invited... Um, uh, I think it's uh, over over a year ago, at least now <laughs> I lose track of time. But what we do in CETA is we bring forward the newest and, and latest technologies within the construction space. So, you know, construction gets uh, bashed around for having been not very productive for many, many years, in fact, centuries. But now it, it's beginning to change and it's really ripe for disruption. So there's a huge amount of small companies and larger companies looking at how they can, you know, digitally transform, how they can use technology how they can change their business processes to be much more um, efficient, to be a cost in time and money and deliver superior uh, products. So within CETA, we're constantly looking, horizon scanning at, you know, the latest and greatest technologies and bringing companies forward to showcase capabilities so that people can learn and make informed decisions on, you know, what's best for their individual company. So it's mm-hmm. really exciting. And, and we, we do a huge amount on building information modeling, but it's not wholly focused on building information modeling. We do, we just had a, a webinar, a, a, a tech series where we brought in startups talking about blockchain, talking about, you know, a new way to uh, do real estate transactions and this kind of stuff. So it's a Gosh. really exciting space. Fantastic. I, I love that phrase, horizon scanning. That's wonderful. And that brings us nicely on to uh, my next question about the Internet of Things. Um, now, the Internet of Things estimations vary enormously, but I read that by 2020, there'll be almost 40 billion connected devices, which is quite a staggering number. Um, but if we could go back a few steps. So for those who aren't too familiar with the Internet of Things, can you give us a simple definition and some examples of how it works? 
Yeah, absolutely. So simply put, the Internet of Things comprises of these endpoint devices. So it can be something as simple as a chip that's measuring or a sensor with a chip in it that's measuring carbon dioxide levels. It could be something as sophisticated as a uh, heating and ventilation uh, system, Uh, but it's generating data you know, in some form or other, then where the the internet comes, so that's the things part of it. And then the internet is like, how do you connect to those endpoint devices, to those sensors, to those large pieces of equipment and channel that data into a single point? Mm -hmm. So normally it's an IoT uh, cloud platform, but it could be a database uh, on a server sitting in a, in a LAN room. But uh, so it's that connectivity of the, the things that really brings the value uh, to the Internet of Things. Because when you have that data pooled in one place, so it's not sitting in its silos as it can be today, mm-hmm. uh, then you get the real power of it. Then you can apply analytics, you can structure the data, you know, transform that data, use analytics to drive deeper insights. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, there has to be an output. So why are we doing this? Like, what is the business value to doing this? What action do we need to take? And that really end-to-end simply is the Internet of Things. So it consists of a a piece of hardware that's generating data, a connectivity layer to pull the the data into one place, some kind of aggregation platform, and then an output, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, to do something, to take action. Okay. Um, And you mentioned before that you work with startups quite a lot. Um, And so... For, for for your average startup, say, what would be the value in the Internet of Things for them um, and why might they invest in that kind of technology? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it could be many reasons. I mean, to be honest, we're, we're working with startups who are developing IoT solutions. So, uh, you know, for example, it might be something around water management and flood management. So you're using sensor technology to alert when, you know, you're using excessive water or you've you've got some kind of leak. Um, You know, lighting and, and energy are big factors as well. So it's about taking huge amounts, huge volumes of data and then being able to have some action to to do something uh, on that. And uh, oftentimes people have uh, an IoT solution that's just for one thing. So it might be for presence sensing. Mm -hmm. So to understand how many people uh, are in a room or is there any vacant space, that kind of thing. So that's where we're working with startups. it, but but in the area where I work in the co-location area, I mean we use IoT here to understand, um, you know, the CO two levels in in the room so that people are productive and not falling asleep. <laughs> we, we know where the, the empty space is in this co-location, so that you know you've got all of these companies all all working in the same environment, and so we need to understand where the free space is so that people can mm. go and book that space or. You know, if nobody's in the space, but it's being booked, then you can unbook it and, and use the space. So many applications for, for IoT um, that, that, you know, that we're coming across. But a lot of the startups that we're seeing are disrupting, you know, traditional industries with their IoT solutions mm. and offerings. So, so the big benefit really for companies um, of all sizes, it really helps them carry out their services and their processes better and helps them to be more productive. Absolutely. Yeah. And the IoT is now um, becoming quite popular in the home as well, isn't it? 
It is absolutely. I mean, the consumer market is very big. I mean, and it ranges from, you know, your your smart lighting to your smart heating systems um, to some smart security systems. I've seen there's the the whole leak detection side as well. So even down to smart fridges, you know, <laughs> that can tell you you know what to buy and and having your fridge, you know, and actually uh, our in my own home our ovens we have two ovens and they're connected via the internet so you can turn them on and off via your phone if you so wish that's fantastic (laughs) that's on my christmas list (laughs) (laughs) um and thinking about the future of work um say the next five to ten years how might the uh, internet of things evolve and how might it impact our future workplace yeah, I think the scope here is is absolutely massive, um, and you know, as you've described, the um, the amount of sensor sensor and IoT devices that, that potentially could be deployed is is huge, and I think the challenge for people in the workplace is to make sure that they generate additional silos to the silos that already exist, and when they're thinking about the Internet of Things and and deploying. Um, new solutions that they ensure that these solutions can all talk to each other mm-hmm. because then the, the benefits become you know 10x of what they are when they're by themselves Gosh. because if you if you just have like a a, a presence sensing system and you only uh, say uh, allow the uh, occupants to use that and, and you don't allow the space planner or you don't feed ultimately down the line feed that back into the design of the, of the building that's many um you know, efficiencies and cost benefits that you're ruling out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you don't uh, connect your presence sensing system with your energy monitoring system, then again, you're losing out there because you may be heating and cooling a, a building that um, nobody's in. You know, I mean, and a lot of this exists today, uh, but it's just like taking that beyond the, the current use cases and expanding them out to make sure that we're u- utilizing this data to its full extent. And we're allowing many different parts of the business to access and use the data and derive insight from the data. So mm-hmm. for the future of the workplace, I mean, really, uh, the limiting factor is is where people want to go with this it's either imagination or, or your your what your perceived risk because <laughs> people sometimes yes. do see this as, as risk um you know but for me I, I i mean i've been talking about this for a long time that the future is very bright if we if we think about this effectively because if if employees are sitting at their desk and and they're thinking about it's too dark or it's too noisy, or it's too cold, or it's too warm, Mm. then they're not concentrating on their job, okay? So they're already unproductive. So if we use IoT to ensure that people have space that they are comfortable with and they're not thinking about these things that they shouldn't be thinking about, that's a huge tick in the box in terms of productivity. So it can really help cover the fundamentals um, and just help us to do our day-to-day jobs better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, let's talk about digital transformation. Now, this is a term that I've been seeing a lot more of um, over the past year or so. Um, But in layman's terms, could you start by telling us about digital transformation, uh, what it means and what type of technologies might be involved? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's a big topic, digital transformation, and it means different things to many different people. But there are a couple of uh, areas, I think, that when people start to think about this in terms of their company, they should really focus on. And for me, the, the most important question to be answered 
right at the outset is, is why I want to do this. <laughs> like why I need to understand the company's needs for this digital transformation. So what are they? And be able to articulate very clearly what, the, what digital transformation will do for the company. Okay, so once you've got that, you, you know, you're generating a compelling reason to act. Uh, and, you know, almost from a negative point of view as well, articulate what will happen if I don't do this. Mm. Okay, so if I don't digitally transform my company, what's going to happen to us? So I think once a company has that and is able to articulate it, the next one, is, next element then is to align this digital transformation with the company's goals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where, so then this starts to make it measurable so that you can track and measure success of this and, and you know, really understand is the strategy working. And then, you know, once the kind of the exec team have got this, then the next point, the really important point is communication and bringing the employees on the journey. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that, it's going to be very, very difficult. This change management pieces where you see many, many times that transformation projects get stuck. They don't necessarily fail, but they just kind of get stuck because there's a lot of pushback and people don't understand why they're doing it. People scared, you know, when people are not communicated with, they become very nervous and, and scared. So it's around really articulating the value and the benefits of, of doing this and bringing mm-hmm. the people on board with you. And then, uh, and then, like a, 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 once you have people on board with you, allow them to experiment and, and listen to them as well, because they'll have a lot of really good ideas around, you know, uh, how their ideas can fit in with the strategy and with the goals of the company and allow for experimentation and testing as well. So, you know, engaging the people and allowing them to be part of the process, you know, via innovation workshops is an extremely useful way to um, approach it. Mm. And now you'll notice I haven't spoken about technology at all up to this point, (laughs) at all. But now when we talk about technology, I think companies need to remember that technology isn't the be-all and end-all of this. The technology is the vehicle that will enable your transformation. Mm. But what what companies really need to remember is that as they go through this process, they need to understand their business processes and really map out their as-is business processes. So what do they do today? And then map that to the 2B. So where do I want to go to? And then understand Mm -hmm. how technology can help you get there Mm -hmm. uh, and how the technology can help you cut steps in your business processes, therefore making you much more efficient than you were before. You should also do a review of the skills of the workforce, because that may change slightly as you uh, digitally transform uh, the, the company and understand what gaps you have. And that might be, have to be managed as a risk, you know, if you do have gaps in your uh, in, in your skill sets within the workforce. So that's another element that, you know, a company really needs to, uh, to take into consideration and, and address for the future. Yes, and actually, um, this is this is quite an important topic, isn't it? That the skills gap. Yeah. Um, how much of a of a problem is this for our for the future of work? Yeah. So uh, you know, it's it's interesting because you know people want data scientists. So that that means to me that a lot of companies want to build their own IoT solutions rather than buying off the shelf because the way I put it is like, you know, we all have a smartphone, but none of us know how it works or how it's put <laughs> together or, you know, the AI that's contained in it, etc. So, yeah. you know, I think we're at this point where people are thinking that they have to build their own solution in order to get that uh, competitive advantage, you know, rather than taking something off the shelf. So, 
we are hearing a lot around data science. People want data scientists. This is like mm -hmm. a buzzword. You know, I think data scientists will be the best paid people in the world soon enough. But that might calm down in time when people get more trust and understand the, the output of the solution rather than having to get into the weeds and understand how everything works. So mm. I think we're just on a learning curve with, with IoT and with, you know, all the kind of analytics that are wrapped around it as well. Yes. But it, 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 it's certainly a concern, yeah. <laughs> very much so, you know, getting and the right people. It's not just um, the data scientists either, is it? It's it's the people um, doing secretarial jobs or oh, yeah. any other type of, of, of jobs. Uh, we've all got to learn new skills um, yeah. to make sure that our jobs are relevant in the future. Absolutely. And, and if you look at the facilities management industry as well, uh, you know, that's that's going to go through a massive overhaul in the future because we have, a, have a, a demographic of person that's kind of at the, at the top of their game in facilities management at the moment uh, but the influx of, of younger people with the skill sets to do this digital transformation there's a big gap yes. there you know yeah. at the moment and the people making the decisions are the people who have always worked you know with your spreadsheets or you know with your traditional methods and so there's a big gap that needs to be addressed. And I think there's, you know, there's people in the industry that are doing brilliant work, you know, to A, you know, highlight this as, as an issue and then B, try to help address it uh, mm -hmm. moving forward. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Ginny Rometty, who is the CEO of IBM, she states that, you know, things like AI, for example, are going to change 100% of jobs in 100% of industries, you know, across 100% of workforces, and not in a way that it's going to replace people. And it's not a technology issue. It's it's a, um, a, a change management issue. You know, yes. it's around the people. Yes. Rather than the technologies. Yeah, and I, I keep hearing this more and more. It's all about the people. The future of work is, yeah. is about people and skills um, and yeah. about getting buy-in. Um, and you mentioned change management again there. Now, that seems like a really important part of the process. So, so what are the um, steps, some of the basic steps involved to go about introducing change management in an organisation? Yeah, you know, I think having read to be able to articulate the goals, why you're doing this and bring people on the journey as quickly as possible. So communicate. I mean, once you absolutely have it solid in, you know, the, the strategy outlined and then the how you're going to execute on that strategy is to bring the people along and listen to people as well. And, and yes, you know, hear them, not, you know, <laughs> allow them to have a voice and then listen to that voice as well. Yes. And, and where possible, adopt, you know, the, the ideas because that there's nothing people are, are very happy to share their ideas when they're ignored that's really bad and then if their ideas are not taken forward when they're really good ideas that's really bad as well so the best way to engage people is to listen to them and adopt ideas where it makes sense because it makes people very very proud you know yes. of, of of the company and and of their input into that company absolutely um and in 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 terms of digital transformation adopting new technologies and processes. It's a big upheaval, isn't it? Especially for smaller companies and startups that might have limited yeah. resources. Um, but we understand that it's important to invest in those processes. Um, but for the startup that's perhaps quite limited with their funds um, yeah. and their resources, um, how would you go about convincing them of, of the need to do this? Yeah, if, if we, we can frame it in a couple of ways, actually. I mean, if you think about communication, I think that is probably 
one of the most already transformed uh, parts of the working day <laughs> that we all have now. I mean, everybody is using various forms of communication platforms, you know, from instant messaging to your mobile phone to traditional email to actually, woe well and behold, like talk to somebody, you know. <laughs> I think, and, and people have been quite receptive to that because it's easy to adopt it's relatively inexpensive to to use and people like it and they're very very productive using using all of this technology and so in in the workplace as as startups grow one of the major factors that people look at when they want to join a new company is you know is first of all is it interesting you know maybe look at salary but i do know and i actually do know people who will take less salary for a really cool place to work so somewhere where they feel part of a team, that the community is right, that it's near where they, they live, uh, and, and that you know you have all the technologies that enable you to do a good job. People are really looking at this in this day and age. You know, is it really noisy? You know, can I get quiet spots to go and work? All of this stuff is really, really important in terms of the workplace. Fantastic. Okay, and looking ahead to wrap up our conversation, um, Thinking about horizon scanning and the future of work, uh, what are some emerging technologies that have made it onto your radar and how do you think that these will impact our future workplaces? Yeah, so it, it's not really emerging because it's been around for a long time, but the whole artificial intelligence, um, and I suppose there's no surprise coming from IBM that that would be top of my list. <laughs> but I think the application of AI in the workplace is really key because if we think back to the IoT devices and the number of devices that will be deployed both now and in the future, the volume of data coming out of that's been generated is so huge the traditional analytical methods are just not going to cut it. So we have to use other methods. And the narrow uh, AI that exists today, where AI uh, technology focuses on one job and does that really well, I think is really, you know, is a changing uh, point. And I was at a conference this week, and literally it was a real estate investors conference, and almost everybody was talking about how they were using AI, you know, to invest in real estate, to value real estate, to find mm -hmm. real estate. And, you know, getting that application within the building and the operations of the building, I think is really key. And there are companies out there looking at this, particularly with energy management, because we can't get away from uh, climate change and the fact that we have to be responsible and that buildings generate, you know, around 40% of, of global CO2. We have to ensure that these buildings are operating efficiently and effectively and, and humans we just don't have the time to do this so uh, having AI solutions that are able to scan and health check and help us understand how the buildings are operating I think is a game changer and also predict you know to predict future failures to predict you know how many people are going to be in the building you know on, on a certain type of day and, and close floors down automatically this is like game changing I, I believe. Mm -hmm. So AI is one. The second one that is very close to my heart is the whole digital twin. So you, you may have heard of this. So this is uh, around having a digital representation of the physical building mm -hmm. and the application of that, which is for me personally, is born out of the BIM process, the building information modeling process mm -hmm. and all the rich data sets that are contained within 
that uh, you know that activity that sometimes is often forgotten when the building is handed over into the operate phase. So if we could make use of that rich data set and then add to it in a more dynamic, real-time way, you know, from the IoT um, solutions that are within the building, from the existing building management systems, to embed and visualize what is going on in the building and to have a record of what's happened in the building for future, um, it, for me, is, is, is amazing. And, and there's a few companies working on this uh, today, and I'm very, very excited about this. <laughs> and, and for me, this will be, this will be literally a, an asset that will be sold with the physical assets because it will be the kind of, um, the, uh, I heard a word for it, the library, if you like. I wanted a better word than library, but the information <laughs> source for the building, and it'll be completely up to date. And then that kind of leads me on to blockchain as well. I mean, and blockchain's mm-hmm. been around for a while, but within, you know, if you think, uh, you know, where records have to be sacred and cannot be tampered with, blockchain is going to be a game changer as well. And particularly with contracts and passing money from one um, vendor to the next is, is going mm-hmm. to be a key element too. So they are my three top tips. Okay. <laughs> Just... Um... Just before we finish, can you give us a quick overview of blockchain for those who aren't too familiar with it? And, oh, gosh. And, and, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if there's such a thing as a quick overview. but uh. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely no expert at all, so it will only be very, very high level. But yeah. basically, uh, there's a ledger that's set up between um, interested parties. And when transactions take place and they hit this ledger, they cannot be changed. So if we, if we have a contract and you agree to provide me with a service uh, but you you know you need uh, to understand that i have money to pay you then mm-hmm. this kind of transaction goes into the ledger and then you know that i am i have the money to pay you so you can start the work ahead of time without having to wait for it to hit your bank account ah, right. um, and so it cannot be tampered with mm-hmm. and if you look um i was listening to somebody talk about blockchain last week and uh, basically, that has never been hacked ever. So you may hear that some parts of blockchain have been hacked into, but that's the add-ons that sit mm-hmm. on top of blockchain. But the blockchains themselves have never ever been hacked. Uh, another example from my IBM days is um, for, for shipping freight. So what you have is an edge IoT device that tells you, um, it, it, you know, could be vibration, could be temperature, humidity of a of a. a, a cargo sitting on a a ferry Mm -hmm. on the cargo ship and if something happens so if um you know it goes above the temperature that it should go or it vibrates it moves too much so there's a potential that the goods are damaged the edge device sends an alert into a blockchain and then it's captured and when Mm -hmm. the the, uh, the goods get to the port all that the port authorities have to do is is look at the manifest and see that yeah, that the temperature went too high or there was an alert or it was shaken or dropped or whatever. And they can mm-hmm. just turn that straight around and it can go back to where it came from. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. So there's that kind of, you know, that kind of use case as well for blockchain. Yes. So it's very, very secure for transactions. Okay, brilliant. Well, that's absolutely fascinating. Thank you for that. Um, and just um, thinking back over our conversation just now, um, some of the big takeaways is that it's all about data and people and skills. Um, and with those three things, it seems the sky or rather the cloud really, <laughs> really is the limit. Um, so it's, it's clear to me that the future of work is set to be a really exciting place of um, interconnected devices, uh, smarter workplaces, 
uh, digital experiences, which will ultimately help us to work better and happier uh, and more efficiently. So thank you so much, Claire, for your insights on these topics. Um, we've really enjoyed having you on the podcast and hopefully we'll uh, welcome you back on one day soon. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and before you go, could you tell us how uh, we can find and connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. And uh, would you like my email address as well? Yeah, go on. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Claire.penny, so C-L-A-I-R-E dot P-E-N-M-Y at W-I-A dot I-O. Lovely. Okay, thank you, Claire. Um, and that's all from me today. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. And if you want to hear more, head over to allwork.space to listen to more episodes and to subscribe to future recordings. Bye for now. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?